Okay, we're beginning here on the top of Kuflamud Abad Aleph, but the new parak of Belezer de Milah. Belezer de Milah follows from the final Mishnah on the previous parak, which said that for Milah, Yemechalulin Alet Shabbat. She's allowed to violate Shabbat for all the needs of a Milah. Now, the Mishnah is going to discuss what are those needs that we're talking about in terms of the Milah. Belezer Omer, Belezer has opinion that it's not only that which is directly necessary for the milah that you're allowed to violate the Shabbat, but even things are what we call machshire milah. Things that allow you to perform the milah are allowed to be done on Shabbat, and you're allowed to violate the Shabbat in order to do those items. For instance, in milah v'kli of Shabbat, if he didn't bring the knife that he needs to perform the milah of Shabbat, v'yobi Shabbat migulet, brings it on Shabbat openly, has to carry it openly in the streets, u'besakana, in a time when they had zerot against doing milah, as to cover it up, hide it inside of his clothing, but he has a dim that see him put it in so they know what he's carrying. You can even cut wood, trees, to make poles. They make a metallically, make the knife that you need for the milah. Klalamai Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva disagrees with this principle of Rabbi Eliezer. Any item that you could have performed on Arab Shabbat and in no way would have detracted from the situation, then you cannot do it on Shabbat itself. Since you had the equal opportunity to do it before Shabbat, there's no reason to leave it till Shabbat in order to do it on Shabbat and violate the Shabbat. You had a possibility of doing it without violating the Shabbat. She of Shabbat, if something that is impossible to do prior to the time, or something that, for whatever reason, would be detracted from if you did it beforehand, then it's Docha et Shabbat. Then it is Docha et Shabbat. So, here we have two views of what the din of Milah, Docheta Shabbat is. There's a review of Rabbi Eliezer, which means basically anything that you need for the Milah. That's included preparatory items, anything to make, create. Anything that is associated with the Milah is considered to be fine or proper to violate the Shabbat for. And that's what it means. Both the Milah and Machshire Milah you're allowed to violate the Shabbat for. On the other hand, Rabbi Kiva says, it's only Torchei Milah that you're allowed to violate the Shabbat for. But Machshire Milah, things that are preparatory in nature, those all could have been done before the Shabbat, and therefore they do not violate the Shabbat. Ibailu. What is the reason that you have to carry the knife out in open when you're bringing it to the Brit Milah? Two possibilities. One possibility is because you want to demonstrate your love for the mitzvah, demonstrate your excitement for the mitzvah, so we do a public demonstration of bringing the knife to do the mitzvah. Or is it simply that we're worried about what people are going to think you're carrying? Are you carrying personal objects on Shabbat? People are going to say, what is this person carrying? So we want you to carry it in the open so they know that what you're carrying is for the milah. What does it make a difference? When there's no gzera, when there is no sakana, are you allowed to bring the knife hidden, but you had a dim that saw you put it away? If it's for the mitzvah itself, then you can't hide it, because the whole idea is to demonstrate publicly your love for the mitzvah, your excitement about the mitzvah. To do it with a deem and hide the knife, that's a subpar way to do it. We allow that when there's no choice, for instance, Bishad Sakana. But if there's no Sakana, then you're gonna to have to carry it out in public. If the whole problem here is just suspicion about what you're carrying, then I feel Shepardami. Then even cover it up. Even at a time when there's no Sakana, you can have the Edeem, place it into your shirt, and walk with it because there's no Khashad anymore. You have a deem that have knowledge of what you're carrying. My, what's the din?
Itmar. Amar Ablevi, lo amra Rabbi Eliezer, mitzvah. Eliezer said it because of the love of the mitzvah to demonstrate one's excitement over the mitzvah. Tanya nami ochi, we also have a brighter that supports it. Tivi Rabbi Eliezer, bring it open and not covered. Amravashi matnitan nami deika. Our Mishnah is also Miduyak, if you think of our mission, Diktani. Ubishata Sakana, Adim. That the Mishnah says, when is it true, or when do you have that dispensation to cover it and take it in a non-public manner with a dim? That's only when Shata Sakana. Bisakana in, Shalo Bisakana lo. Mishnah qualifies that and says that's at the time of Sakana. That means that if it wasn't a Sakana, that's not the alternative. Good have structured the Mishnah that either you take it publicly, or you take it Adim. And that would have covered both sides of it. The fact that the Mishnah relegates doing it in this manner to Shata Sakana shows you that when there is no Sakana, you may not use this methodology. And you have to do it the other way, which is Shmamina, Mishum Chavuve Mitzvah Shmamina. And it must be that the reason you have to carry it publicly is to demonstrate one's excitement for the Mitzvah and to make a public statement about the Mitzvah. And therefore, you cannot take it in a hidden manner, a Piedim, when there is no Shata Sakana. Tani Yidach, have another Braita, Meviyom Gule, Venom Meviyom here we have Rabbi Lezer's statement, which is similar to our Mishnah, bring it exposed and you don't bring it covered. And then Rabbi Yehuda saying in Rabbi Lezer's name that Bishata Sakana, our minhag was to bring it covered, Apiyadim. Valu, Edim Tekamar. This statement that we did it Apiyadim. Who are the Edim? Yuvachad. It's this person themselves plus another person. Who betray? Maybe it's him plus two. Two Edim testifying to what he is doing. Or the two Edim here are he and someone else. Tashma, Musakana Bechaseo Piedim, Iamart Bishlama Hu Vitrei Shapir. That's why you have Edim. Eliamart Hu Vichad, my Edim. What type of Edim do you have here? Edut, like David is saying, is somebody where two people testify about what they are seeing. And the person who is a Nogeabavar, who is a Baldavar, is not included. In a case, a litigant, in any other situation, the person themselves does not qualify to be called an aid, or they're not qualified as Edim. He says, no, Shiru'im Naid Bimakom Acher. Doesn't mean that they are Edim seeing this. But two people, which is the minimum number who would be ra'ui to testify in other situations, that's what you need here. He just can't do it by himself. He has to have one other person, a party, to what he does. Mar leaves it in, inconclusive. Which tells you over here, the purpose of having the edim here is not to testify. If the purpose of the edim was to testify, then in Ochanami, by dinim mamuno, dinim fashot, you would need two edim. But over here, the purpose of the edim is not to testify, but to remove the chashash. So maybe in this instance... He and someone else is enough to remove that type of ashto, that suspicion. But the Gemara leaves as inconclusive. In Rabbi Lezer's town, obviously they followed the psak of Rabbi Eliezer. Used to cut wood trees to make holes. Asot barzel to make the metal. Bishabbat on Shabbat in order to perform the milah. Bimkomosha Rabbi Yosi Aglili. Ayochlim basar of bichalav. In the town of Rabbi Yosi Aglili, they used to eat milk and chicken together, and that is because chicken is not meat technically, and so therefore chicken and milk together are not asur. Mi deoraita. It's a machloket in the Gemara in the Chulin, and we paskin that chicken and milk together are not asur min Torah. It's an iser derabanan because they are too close in nature to meat and milk, and people will come to confuse them. So, in order to avoid that problem or that confusion, 
We say no chicken and milk, just like we say no meat and milk together. Rabbi Yossi was of the opinion that they were not gozer, this Isur the Rabbanan, and he felt that it was fine to have chicken and milk together. And that's what they did in his town. Levi Ikla Lebe Yosef Rishba. Levi went to the house of Yosef the bird catcher, the bird hunter. Privule Reisha de Tavto, which is what we have in our Gemara, but you can see that the Surah says that it's Tavso Bechalbo. They brought him what they, I guess, thought was a delicacy of some sort, the head of a peacock in milk. Loachal. He didn't eat. Why don't you excommunicate him? How can we allow this guy to be running around eating chicken and milk together? He's in violation of the Isur de Rabbanan. He lives in the city of Rabbi And maybe Rabbi holds like Rabbi Mishnah. It says, together in the Pasuk are, you may not eat a nevela. And number two is, you may not eat milk and meat together. If you have an Isur Nevela associated with this object, then you have an Isur of Basar and Chalav. Of Shasur Mishum Nevela. An Of can be a Nevela. Nevela is an animal that is killed or dies, but was not Mishchat. So here, a bird that dies without Shrita, that is classified as a Nevela. So it seems that oaf qualifies, based on the pasuk, to be classified as one of those items that's a sur Pasuk, the way that it conveys the isur of basar b'chalav is do not cook the gdi, the kid, in its mother's milk. It's a oaf. The bird is not a mammal in that sense. It doesn't have mother's milk, which the child drinks from or can be cooked in. Because of that, Rabbi Yosef Lili believes that birds and milk together are not considered to be milk and meat together. And he didn't have this Isur the Rabbanan. And so Rabbi said that maybe this Yosef Rishba, who lived in the city of Rabbi Yudimimitera, was following this position of Rabbi Yosef Lili. And therefore he didn't want to excommunicate him because he didn't think he was doing it out of spite or disregard for the Chachamim. He was following whoever was the Moradatra of his city. There's a city in Eretz Yisrael who followed the position of Rabbi Eliezer. They used to die on time. They used to live a full life. There was a time when the Romans outlawed Mila for all the Jews. But this city was accepted from that Gzerah. So number one, we know that the punishment for violating the Shabbat is punishment of Karet. Which means one of the parts of Karet is shorting one's life. The fact that the Gemara indicates here that they lived a full life with that, they weren't classified or had to have violated the Shabbat and be chayav karet. That's number one. Number two is they see this extraterrestrial indication that this is true, that Rabbi Lelazar, maybe the Allah is like Rabbi Lelazar, is because you have a gzerah, this terrible thing that they outlaw milah, and yet, in this one city where they followed the position of Rabbi Eliezer, they are accepted from this decree. So they saw this as a sign from heaven. Maybe Rabbi Eliezer is right. Very interesting, because Rabbi Eliezer, also in the Gemara and Bava when he has the argument of the Chachamim, al-Tarunur over there also, there's an intervention from heaven to support the position of Rabbi Eliezer. So this is characteristic of Rabbi Eliezer, who took positions that were controversial in some sense. He was against the majority. And nevertheless, in these situations, the Gemara sees 
these heavenly interventions to support the position of Rabbi Eliezer. Right, it's not as direct as as the story in Rabbi Mitzia, but it's still very interesting that the Gemara even quotes this idea that there was support for Rabbi Eliezer's position in this city that followed his view. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Any mitzvah which they accepted upon themselves with excitement, with happiness, Gon, Bila, like Brit Mila, Dichtiv, Sas, Anuchi, Alim Ratecha, Motzeis Shalal Rav, I am happy, excited, Alim Ratecha, on your words, Motzeis Shalal Rav, it's someone who's found a large, bountiful booty. So, Im Ratecha, your word, what was the first Tzivoy, the first mitzvah given is Brit Mila. That is referencing Mila. We still perform it Bisimcha, meaning that we do a Mishteh. We have a Suda associated with the Mitzvah. That's what we have, Sudat Brit Mila. Now, is one of the Psukim. When they bring the baby in, when they're preparing for the Mila, that's one of the Psukim that they say as an introductory Pasuk. I think we also say it on. Rosh Hashanah. Before we blow the shofar, there we spell out Kara Satan, and the one that's for the sin that's there for Satan is this pasuk of Sasanuchi Amiratecha Kemotzei Shlavrav. Two times that we happen to mention this pasuk in a ritual sense. And any mitzvah which they accepted with reluctance with a little bit of controversy, Gigon, Arayot, Isarayot, Echtiv, Vaishma Mushet Am Buchen Mishpichotav. Did this earlier, Moshe sees the people crying, Lim Mishpichotav, according to their families, Alishke Mishpichotav. Not just that they were crying amongst themselves and their families, but because of their families. Adain Osinota Biktata. That mitzvah still involves machloket controversy. And how does the Gemara demonstrate that? There's never a ketubah that doesn't have a fight over it. There's always some sort of machloket that arises in the marriage process or in the negotiations of the marriage process. And they see that as a residual of the original acceptance of this mitzvah as being less than enthusiastic. Because of that, it leaves a residual bad feeling in the mitzvah that comes up in these negotiations. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Omer, Any mitzvah which Ben Israel gave up their life for, when there were decrees, Kigon. Examples of that are Avodat Kochavim and Mila, Avodizarah and Brit Mila, Then they still hold tight to that mitzvah. Those mitzvot are performed and kept despite time and despite the difficulties. Those are the two here, Avodizarah and Mila. Mitzvot Mitzvot, where people did not give up their life in support of the mitzvah when they were decreased, v'shalak zirat ha-machut, gugon, tefillin. Example, tefillin, adayin hi mirufa biyadam. It's still weak in their hand. Dama rabiyanai. Rabiyanai says, tefillin suchim gufna ki, elisha bal knafayim. A person who puts on tefillin requires a clean body, like elisha bal knafayim. We have no evidence that elisha bal knafayim had a clean body. The Gemara makes the assumption that because elisha bal knafayim is associated with tefillin in a very positive manner, that obviously that he had a gufnaki. Mahi, what does it mean that you have to have a gufnaki? Amar baya shalo yafiach lehem. person may not flatulate when he's wearing them. Rav Amar Shleishan Bem, that you may not sleep in them. 
So that's the requirement for Guf Naki. And I pointed this out in the past. The Gemara mentions it here, but the Rishonim mentioned it even more strength is that people were very lax in the mitzvah of Talit and Tfilin in the time of the Rishonim. Part of it related to the idea that in the time of the Amoraim, when they wore Tfilin, they wore Tfilin all day. And by the time they get to the Rishonim, or I'm sure the Gemara is already mentioning it, keep a Guf Naki all day was something that was difficult. So they didn't put on Tfilin. They didn't put on Tfilin at all. Wasn't that they just put it on for a short period of time? Innovation to put on tefillin just for davening is a much later innovation in order to allow people to put on tefillin with a gufnaki and not feel they can't put on tefillin at all. That innovation allows us to put on tefillin today for a short period of time. There's been a comeback of the people wearing tefillin all day. Something that's happened in the last 10 years or so, where you see more and more people wearing tefillin over a longer duration, a longer period of time. But in the time of the Rishonim, Tosafot mentions it, Ebenezer mentions it, all of them start to mention this idea that people were not wearing talit and tefillin, and Ebenezer says, at least you should wear it for davening. And they're pressing the people to perform the mitzvot that we take for granted today, that everybody puts on talis and tefillin. Tefillin's a serious issue. Gemara in Shoshana says that, Poshe Yisrael begufan, those people that are true sinners are people, karkafta, lo manach, head or skull, the lo manach tefillin, that doesn't have tefillin on it. That's a serious violation, or a serious sin is considered someone who doesn't put on tefillin. But we see here that the Gemara says, since they were not most nefesh al tefillin, that mitzvah didn't stay strong with them. Why is he called Elisha, man of wings? There was a time when there was a decree against Israel. Anybody puts on tefillin, they're going to puncture his head. In the If you put on tefillin, they're going to puncture a hole in the skull exactly where you put on the tefillin. Despite the fact that Elisha was putting on tefillin, he went out to the shuk, and some government official sees him. Takes off, because Thor chases him down. He catches up with him. Takes him off his head quickly and puts him into his hand. Says, what's in your hand? The wings of a dove. He opens up his hand and sure enough, there are wings of a dove there. That's why they called him Elisha Bal Knafayim, because this miracle with the Knafayim. Maishna Kanfeyuna. The Amrle, why did he say, when he asked him what's in your hand, why did he pick the Kanfeyuna? Because B'nai Israel are compared to the Yona. Shinemar, Pasuk says in Tilim, Kanfei Yona nechpa bakesef, vevrota biyarakrak charutz, that the wings of the Yona are covered in silver, and its pinions are like yellow gold. Here it's describing B'nai Israel, and it's describing them, it describes them like these silver wings of the Yona. So because of that, he picked the Yona. Just like by the Yonah, its wings protected. So do B'nai Israel, the mitzvot protect them. What's unique about the wings of a Yonah? So Rashi says over here, that it doesn't fight with its beak or with its claws. It rather uses its wings to defend itself and to fight itself. It uses it as a tensile weapon, and therefore the wings are considered to be that important part of the Yonah. That's the way Rashi describes it here. Back on Memtad, he says it also 
uses it to protect and to defend itself against other birds or against humans when they attack, that it's also used as a defense mechanism. Tosafot mentions, Omeri, Damrina v'mitrash, kolafot shim geim ninochim agav sela. Any other bird, when they're tired, they relax. When it's tired, it keeps one wing flapping and rests the other wing. That's a continuous motion, the wings being something where they never rest. So do the Bresho are constantly involved in mitzvot. That's where Tosafot explains it back on Memtet Amaradov. Question is, what is this proof about them not being Moser Nefesh al Tfilin? So Rashi here says, the reason that they mentioned the story is because Elisha Balkanafayim was unusual. He was the only one wearing Tfilin during the time of the decree. He was the only one that was willing to be Moser Nefesh, whereas everybody else wasn't. On the other hand, Tosafot says, Elisha Balkanafayim is the problem here. He was not Moser Nefesh for the Tfilin because he didn't keep them on. He took them off and hid them. And so that's the problem over here. He didn't tell the truth and say that they were tefillin. That's what the Rashbam says. So the story is brought according to Rashi to shed light on others that did not act like Elisha Balkafayim. Whereas Tosafot says Elisha Balkafayim himself is what the problem is because he wasn't willing to say that it was tefillin and he said it was Confei Yonah. Despite the fact that the story sounds miraculous, sounds like things went well for him. Nevertheless, he should have been Moser Nefesh for the mitzvah tefillin b'shat gzerat ha-malchut. Amar of Abba bar of Ado, Amar of Yitzchot, Pamachat, Shachuchu v'lo'iviu izmel me'ar Shabbat. They did not bring the mila knife before Shabbat. V'iviu b'shabbat derech gagot v'derech hatzerot. They brought it by going from roof to roof and through the hatzerot and through the courtyards. Shalom b'rtson reb d'yezer. Against... The position of Rabbi Lezer, I don't think it literally means Shalom Birtzon Rabbi Lezer, that he didn't approve, but it's against that position that Rabbi Lezer had staked out. This was problematic. Matkila Rav Yosef, Shalom Birtzon Rabbi Lezer. what do you mean it's not going to Rabbi Lezer? It's just the opposite. Rabbi Lezer, he's the Shari. He's the one that allows you when you don't do something on Erev Shabbat, to do it on Shabbat. That Rabbi Lezer allows you to do this in Rishut Rabim. So why are you doing it over the roofs and through the courtyards, which are either permissible or only Asur Mid Rabbanan? Why do they opt to go to the east of the Rabbanan and not just do it straight through Rishut Rabim? Ella, Birtzon, Rabbanan, Dasru, Derach Rishut Rabim. Sounds like they did it. In the Ritzon of the Rabbanan, who says you can't do it in Rishut Rabim, Vishoru, Derach Agot, Chatzirot, Derach Apribirot. So he says, they did it with the way the Chachamim's position lays out, which is, you're not allowed to violate the Shabbat to bring it, and they allow you to do it on the roofs and on through the Chatzerot and Karpe Fiot. Or it says, Umi Shari. Since when did the Rabbanan allow you to do this? The Rabbanan, when they said something is not allowed, they said, you can't violate an Isidore right before Mila, you can't violate an Isidore Rabbanan. The Rabbanan were Mamid Divrahim, Afilubo Makom Karet. The Chamimur goes there. There goes there across the board. Even the face of an Isser Karet of Milah, they said you can't violate the Shabbos. If you didn't bring it beforehand, you can't do it on Shabbat. Even if it's only a violation of Isser de Rabbanan. So how can you claim over here that this is Britzon Rabbanan? The Rabbanan say no bringing it. That means not through an Isser Doraita the Rishut Rabim and not through an Isser de Rabbanan. Over the Gagot, Chatserot, and Karpifiot. So if that's the case, it's not like the Rabbanan either. It's not like Rabbi Lezer and those that argue on Rabbi Lezer, Ella Bertson Rabbi Shimon, but rather like Rabbi Shimon. We're bringing a third Tana here. So it's not like Rabbi Lezer who says they should have bought it through the Rishut Rabim, not violating Isu Rabbanan. It's not like the Chachamim who say, don't violate an Isu right? Don't violate an Isu Rabbanan. 
So who are they subscribing to? Why do they do this? They hold like Rabbi Shimon. The Tanan, Rabbi Shimon Omer, we have a Mishnah in Eruvin, which we'll get to shortly. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Echad Gagot, Ve'echad Chatzerot, Ve'echad Tarpifot, Kulan, Rishut, Echad Hain, Lekelim, Shishavtu, B'dochan. They're considered to be one area for Kelim that rested in them. Below the Kelim, Shishavtu, B'dochabayit. Not for the Kelim that rested in the house. So the Isur to carry from the house to the Chatzer is for items that are found inside the house. The onset of Shabbat came, any utensil, anything that's inside the house, you may not carry from the house out to the Chatzer or the Chatzer back to the house unless you have a Ruvei Chatzerot. On the other hand, if you have Kelim that are in the Chatzer itself, Kelim that were left in the Chatzer, then to carry them within the Chatzer, everybody agrees you can do because they're in the area of the Chatzer and you're not moving between two different Rishuyot. So even though you don't have an Eruv Chatzerot, you can carry around in the Chatzer. Now, there's a different opinions about where else you can carry them. Machlok between our mayor, the Chachamim, and Rabbi Shimon. We're just focusing on Rabbi Shimon here. Rabbi Shimon says that the chatzer, the roofs of the houses, and the karpi fot, which are like the backyards almost, these are areas, large tracts of land that are fenced in. They're not made as livable space. They're not where the residents are, where their people live. They're just areas that are surrounded, whether it's used for grazing, whether it's used for storage, large area tracts of land that are fenced in, that are karpi fot. So he says they are all considered to be one reshut. And therefore, if you leave Gilim on the outside of Shabbat out in the chatzer, you can carry them in the chatzer, you can carry them from the chatzer to the roofs, and you can carry them from there to the karpifot, because they're all considered to be one area. One reshut midrabanan. So therefore, over here, when they brought the knife from the chatzer through the roofs to the karpifot and brought it, they were doing or following the position of Rabbi Shimon, who says that's all considered to be one reshut, and it's not a violation of an isur de Rabbanan, because isur de Rabbanan does not affect items that are left in the chatzer, that are brought in this manner, because they're all considered to be one reshut, and there's no violation of Shabbat here, even Midrabanan. And so that's why Ravash explained that these people who did this were following this position of Rabbi Shimon. What's interesting here, Tosafot asks a question, which is somewhat difficult. He says, I don't understand why this is Shalom Reshut Rabbi Eliezer. How come when they brought it in this manner that only violated Yisrael de Rabbanan is not like Rabbi Eliezer? Rabbi Eliezer, yes, says that you can violate an Yisrael de Oraita, to perform the mitzvah of milah, but he would never tell you that if you have an option not to violate, say you had a knife here, you have a knife ready to do the milah, he would never say to you, you can go now make a knife to bring it to do the milah, you already have something available. When you have something available and you have an option to do it without a violation of an Isidur right, or you have an option to do it with a violation of Isidur right, it's clear that he would opt to do it without the violation of Isidur right. So why, when they took it in such a manner that they only had to be in violation of Yisrael de Rabbanan, would Rabbi Lezer necessarily disagree with that? Rabbi Lezer might say, take it in Rishit Rabbim when you have to. But if you don't have to, minimize the Chilu Shabbat. Do it in a way that's only a violation of an Isur de Rabbanan. Here Tosafot does not give an answer. He leaves it as a question, why is it that the Gemara feels that Rabbi Lezer would opt to prefer that you violate an Yisra Doraita than an Yisra Dorabanan. Doesn't seem to make sense, especially with the, we're going to see in the upcoming Gemarot, that we try to minimize that. Whenever there's a conflict between violating an Yisra and doing the essay, if we can avoid the conflict, we do. If there's no way to avoid the conflict, then we have to do something to deal with it. So here too, why don't we say the same thing? Well, interesting enough, that Tosafot on the Mishnah, he discusses Rabbi Eliezer, he first asks the question, which is interesting, why don't you bring the baby to the knife instead of the knife to the baby? So he gives answers as to why that, that's not the, the best way to do it. Much easier to carry the knife to get it to the baby than to take the baby to the knife. Even though there might be less violation of Shabbat by taking the baby 
than there is by taking the knife. So over here, Tosafot says that Rabbi Lezer is willing to have a violation of an Isu Doraita versus Isu Dorabanan in order to expedite the process, in order to have the Mila take place faster. So you could answer similarly over here that if the process was expedited by taking it through the Rishut Rabim rather than through the Chatzerot, then Rabbi Lezer would have opted for that. And that's why the Gemara here says that this isn't like Rabbi Lezer. Because if it was a shorter route or a faster route to take it through Rishut Rabim, according to Rabbi Lezer, you should do that, the Mahera Mitzvah, in order to do the Mitzvah faster. So he only says that when you have an equal option between a violation of the right and a violation of the Rabbanan, we say take the Rabbanan, not the Doraita. But if the Doraita ends up making it faster or better, then we're going to say, do it and violate the Doraita, even though for a little more time or a little more effort, inconvenience, undertaking, you could do it the other way. Alright, so now, by me, Rabbi Zera, me, Rabbi Asi. Rabbi Zera asked Rabbi Asi a question. Mavui shalom nishtat fubo. You have a mavui that they did not do what's called shituf mivaot. Mahu letotel bikulo. Can you carry around it entirely? We're going to get to this again. There's a little bit of Eruvin stuff that we're going to get to when we reach Eruvin. But in Eruvin, just for basic structure, you have, in their day, the houses that surrounded the courtyards. And then you had numerous courtyards that opened up into a mavoy. Mavoy is the equivalent of a cul-de-sac. I mean, we'll loosely interpret it that way. The Gemara in Eruvin, we have different views of what a mavoy is. But I loosely say it's a cul-de-sac. You have a cul-de-sac which has courtyards that open into it. Courtyards all have houses surrounding them. So... The problem with these is that there's joint ownership. The house is a private domain, but we have multiple houses opening up to the chatzer, so there's multiple ownerships in the chatzer. So in order to carry from the houses into the chatzer, you need an Eruv Chatzerot. So it joins all the parties of the chatzer together and makes it as if it's one Rishut, and that's why everybody can carry. On top of that, you may not carry from the chatzerot into the Mavoy, because Mavoy also involves joint ownership. It's joint ownership of all the courtyards that open into the Mavoy. So in order to be able to carry from the Chatzerot into the Mavoy, or from the Mavoy into the Chatzerot, you have to do what's called the Shituf Mivoot. You have to join together, similar to Nehru Chatzerot, but it's just done for a Mavoy. You join together in order to allow everybody to carry from the courtyards into the Mavoy, and from the Mavoy into the courtyards. So the question is, we just saw here, that if you have a Chatzer, and you leave items in the Chatzer, you're allowed to carry them on the Gagot, you're allowed to carry them throughout the whole Chatzer, at least a minimum of through the Chatzer, and maybe you carry them into the Gagot, the Kapifot. You have all these options because the Chatzer has its own standing. The question he's asking is, what's the standing of the Mavoy? So you didn't perform a sheet of Mavoy, and you have items, utensils that were left in the Mavoy. On Shabbat, can you carry them internally in the Mavoy? Do they have the same din like a Chatzer? A Chatzer, if you leave the utensils there and you did not make an air of Chatzerot, you're allowed to carry those items around the Chatzer without any problem. You can carry in the Chatzer itself because that's the rule of the Chatzer. The problem is from the bite to the Chatzer, not the Chatzer itself. Rashi over here says something very interesting. He says, wear your clothing in the house, go out to the Chatzer and do your clothing, and then you can carry them wherever you want in the Chatzer. Rikiv Eger says, those are Kalim of the bite. If you're wearing them in the house and then take them out and take them off in the Chatzer, that's considered to be clay bayit, and he doesn't understand where Rashi got this view from. On the other hand, the simplest way to explain it is that you have items that were left in the Chatzer, and you can move them around the Chatzer. Everybody agrees to that. So, so it's over here. What's the din with them avoid? That's what the question posed by Rabbi Zera to Rabbi Yassi. Do we say that mavoy is the same din as a Chatzer? Ma Chatzer irvu Chatzer, even though they didn't do an Eruv Chatzerot, you're still allowed to carry around the Chatzer items that were left in the Chatzer. Hainami. So to the Mavoy, if you don't have the Shituf Mavot, if you're Kalim that were left in the Mavoy, you could carry them around the Mavoy. Odelma Lodami the Chatzer. Maybe it's not similar to a Chatzer. Chatzer, it laid Dalid Mechitzot. 
One of the definitions of a courtyard is that it has four walls around it. Since it has four walls around it, that makes it unique. You do not have four walls to it. You have, at maximum, three walls. And maybe you have even two walls, depending on what type of mavui it is. You don't have the four walls that are around it, because one of the sides of the mavui opens into the Rishut Rabin. It's like a cul-de-sac where one side, the one open side, enters the rest of the roads. Inami, Chatser Itle Diurim. Chatser has people that live in it. Hailele Bei Diurim. This does not have people living in it. Gemini that has Diurim in it. Therefore, it's common to have items in the Chatser that stay in the Chatser itself. People will leave things in the Chatser. But the Mavoy, people don't usually leave things in the Mavoy. Shatik he had no response for him. And now, Zimnin Ashkichet, Rabbi Zer found to be Asi, the Yotiv Gamar. And he was sitting and saying, Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Mishum Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. Shimon Lakish is the same in the name of Rabbi. Remember, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish mentioned that they saw Rav in Rabbi Shir, so they were also in Rabbi Shir. They were in Eretz Israel. They were youngsters at the time when they must have seen Rabbi, but they did see Rabbi. So it's interesting, Rish Lakish was quoting Rishim Yehuda Nasi, Pamachat, Shachov Loivu, Ismail Meir Shabbat. There was a time they forgot to bring the knife before Shabbat. And they brought it on Shabbat itself. And this was difficult for the Chachamim. How is it that they're poskening like Rabbi Eliezer and not like the Chachamim? Why would they be object to this? Number one, it's because Rabbi Eliezer is Shmuti. Rabbi Eliezer is a Shmuti. I'll come back and explain that in one second. You have a Machok here between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim. We should pass them like the Chachamim. It's the Rabbim Neged Yachid. Now Rabbi Eliezer Shmuti, who Tosafot over here says that he's from Beit Shemai. That Rabbi Eliezer was a Talmud of Beit Shemai. And that's what it means, Shmuti, who is that whenever we have a position of Beit Shemai versus Beit Hillel, Beit Hillel trumps. That's why he's called a Shmutihu. Others suggest that the word Shmutihu means that he was in excommunication. Rabbi Lezer, after the incident with Tanur Shachnai, was excommunicated, put into Nidoi. And that's why he's called a Shmutihu. So therefore we're not going to pass him like him because he's Shmutihu. It's one of those two possibilities about why this standing of Rabbi Lezer diminished his ability to have the Pahalokha like him, either because he's from Beit Shammai or because he's excommunicated. But for these two reasons, they don't understand why are they bringing the knife on the Shabbat and passing like Rabbi Eliezer. Ramavoshaya, Shelitit Rabbi Yehuda Gozer. I asked Rabbi Yehuda the Cutter, Rabbi Yehuda the Mohel, The story is like this. It wasn't that they brought it through the Rishut Rabbim. It wasn't that they were following the position of Rabbi Eliezer. But the case or the incident was like this. It was a Mavoy that they didn't have a Shituf in. And they brought it from one end to the other end. And the baby was one end of the Mavoy and the knife was on the other end of the Mavoy and they just carried the knife through the Mavoy itself. So that would obviously not be... Passing like Rabbi Eliezer, and even the Chachamim would agree to this because you're carrying internally in the Mavoy, and this is a Mavoy that doesn't have Shituf. Now the problem is, you have now Rabbi Zera pose this question to Rabbi Asi, and Rabbi Asi didn't give him an answer. Now all of a sudden he hears Rabbi Asi darshaning and telling over all this information about the story of Eshlokish and Rabbi, and then the Rabbi Huda goes there, and it, basically what he's saying is, you're allowed to carry in a Mavoy Shalonishtadeh. So he says to him now, Amrlei, Sirele Ma'ar, Mavoy Shalonishtadfu, Mutar, Tatel Bikulo, you hold Rabbi Asi that you're allowed to carry throughout this whole thing? Yeah, that's what I hold. There was a time I asked you this question. And you didn't answer me. You didn't respond at all. It says, maybe because of the flow, it came back to you. And we call this mind association. You were going over, you were chazering over your Torah Shabbat Peh. And as you were chazering over your Torah Shabbat Peh, through a mind association, you remembered this 
halacha that you had heard, or this incident that you heard with Reish Lakish, Mishom, Ravi, and then the story with Rabbi Oshaya afterwards. Amalai in. He says, that is the case. When you posed the question to me directly, I couldn't remember. I didn't think. I didn't have anything to answer to you. Later on, or another time, when I was gechazering my Torah Shabbat and as I was going over it, through mind association, I remembered this, and that's how I continued to say it. So now that I remembered it, you're right, that is the halacha, and that's the way I paskin, that a mavoy that has, doesn't have a shituf in it has the same din as a chatzer that doesn't have any roof in it. And you're allowed to carry throughout the mavoy. Itmar. Amar Rabbi Zeira. Amar Rav. Mavoy shlo nishtat fubo. Eim betal bo elo betalet amot. So now, all of a sudden, you have a statement from Rabbi Zeira. He asked Rabbi Asi what the halacha was. And now he says something that seems to be the opposite. Rabbi Zera before got the information from Rabbi that if you have a mavoy that you were not nishtatev, that you don't have a shituf mavot in it, that you're allowed to carry throughout. Now we have a statement from Rabbi Zera in the name of Rab, mavoy shlo nishtatfu bo, ein mitaltalim bo, lebedalet amot. You only can carry four amot in it, meaning it's restricted to carry in it. Amr Abayi, I milta Amr Rabbi Zera, v'lo pirsha. Rabbi Zera made the statement, but he never qualified when this applies. Ad at Rabbi Baravua pirsha. But then Rabbi Baravua came and qualified the statement. Even explain to us this statement, which is If you have a mavoy that they did not make a shituf mivot in it, but nevertheless, the courtyards that are around the mavoy, they did make an a roof with the houses that are in there. You can only carry. Four amot in there. Lower vu chatserotim batim. If the chatserot and the batim did not make an a roof, then mutar the tatel bikulo, then you can carry in all of it. So you have an interesting scenario. First of all, this explains why Rabbi Zera is not cholek on Rabbi Yassi, because Rabbi Zera's context is qualified over here. Rabbi Zera agrees that if you didn't make a shituf mavot, you can carry in the mavoy, just like he heard from Rabbi Yassi. But he just says it's only in a circumstance where the courtyards around the mavoy didn't make an air of chatzerot. They did not permit the houses in the courtyards to carry into the courtyards. Everything was asur. Everything was left untouched. And everything's a sore. In that case, you can carry internally in the mavoy for items that are left in the mavoy. On the other hand, if they made an air of chatzerot, that means all the courtyards around can interact with their houses. You can carry from the house into the courtyard, the courtyards into the houses. Then, even if they know they didn't make a sheet of mavot, that means none of the courtyards can carry into the mavoy, you can't carry internally in the mavoy. That's what Rabbi Zera says. What's the reason? Rabbi Hanina Chuzal, the rabbi. What's the difference that when they made an Erev internally? The reason is, is because the Chatserot now became houses. By making an Erev Chatserot, what you basically do is join the ownership together. By joining the ownership together, you've now made it into one big house, basically. Now if you have one big house, you no longer have a Mavoy. Rav is according to his own sheet. You can only use a lechi and a korah, which is for the fourth wall. You can either put up a beam across the top, or you can have an upright on that fourth side, in order to allow you to carry in the mavoy. You can only do that if you have courtyards and houses opening into the mavoy. Which means that you have a mavoy surrounded by courtyards that has houses that are open into it. When you make an air of chayritzei roads, you've eliminated the chayritzei roads. There are no longer courtyards that open up into this mavoy. Because the courtyards and the houses now became one entity. You've joined them together through the Eruv to make them into a single entity. So therefore you cannot carry into the Mavoy. Now Tosafot points out that if you did a Shittu Mavot, it would work. A Shittu Mavot would work here, and then you can use the Lechi and the Korah. Talking about a case here where they did not make a Shittu Mavot, if you already have an Eruv for the Chatserot around it, 
then it's restricted from the, obviously carrying into the Mavoy, but even internally in the Mavoy, doesn't help you that you put up a Lechi in a Korah. doesn't help you to make that the fourth wall and to allow you to carry in that area. Vahacha, he says, I don't understand the difference. Batim, Ika, Chatserot, Leka. Why is that? Because over here you have Batim, you have houses, but you don't have a Chatser anymore because they all came joined together. Kilo Irvu Nami. If they didn't make an Eruv, just the opposite should be the same thing. Look at the houses if they're locked up. You have chatserot and you don't have houses. Because sitting between the mavoy and the houses is the chatser. And since you can't carry from the mavoy into the chatser to the batim, so because of that, the mavoy has no access to the batim. It has no way to access the batim because you have to pass through the chatserot in order to get to the Batim. So only when they're adjacent, the two properties, do you consider that, okay, they can't carry from the Mavoy to the Chatser. But since they're adjacent, it's as if there's a Mavoy that has Chatserot. But on the other hand, the houses which are one step away, you'd have to cross through the Chatser to get to the houses, not adjacent to the Mavoy. And it's as if they're blocked off from the Mavoy. The Mavoy has no access to those houses. It should be as if this Mavoy only has Chatserot and not houses. When it says no problem, you could have it that everybody within the courtyard can decide to dispossess their houses in favor of one individual. They basically give over their ownership in the property to one individual. And it becomes as if there's one owner now to the whole area. Where it says, so, so, by Dika, Batim Leka. Rob's definition of a Mavoy is that you have multiple courtyards open to the Mavoy with multiple Batim. When everybody dispossesses or disowns their property in favor of one individual, you have one house. Now that is around the courtyard. There's no multiple ownership. There's a single ownership. Now and you're back to square one where you have one bayit and you don't have batim. Efshar, Debitzafrad, Palga, Diyoma. It could be. This is according to the Sheet of Rab that you can change midday. From the morning until halfway through the day till noon, they all disown their property in favor of one individual. From midday, from noon until the evening, they changed who was the owner. So now you have two batim. There's still no time when you have two houses there. For half the day you had one house, and for the half the day you had another one house. But you never had two houses simultaneously. That never happened. Al Ravashi, Ravashi explains this differently. He says, no, this isn't the explanation. Mi garam asru batim What causes the isur in the chatzirot? That is the houses. And that you don't have anymore. Once you've made the eruv chatzirot, there's no longer an isur to carry in this area. And so therefore... So that, therefore, you've now set, look, taken away the status of the chatzer. Before this point in time, the chatzer, had you left items or utensils in the chatzer, you would have been able to carry them in the chatzer, and you would have been able to carry them in the chatzer, to the karpav, to the gag, you would have to carry them anywhere because they stayed in the chatzer. And that is because Rav holds like Rabbi Shimon. Rav holds like Rabbi Shimon that all of these areas are considered to be one entity. Chatzer, the mavoy, the karpav, the gag, they're all one area, the Gabay Shabbat. And so items that are left in these areas, they attain the status of being a joint entity. That's only true when the Chatzer remains independent of the Batim. Because then you could transfer items between the Chatzer and the Mavui, because they're all considered to be one Rishut. Once you've now made a name of Chatzerot, and the Batim and the Chatzerot allow for passage of items from the Bayit to the Chatzer, the Chatzer to the Bayit, everybody agrees, even Rabbi Shimon agreed, then you can't carry items from the Chatzer to the Mavui, or the Mavui to the Chatzer, because you have Shrikei Mane Debat. It's going to be common to find items from the house in the chatzer. Because of that, there'll be a great confusion of uh, what you can carry, cannot carry. So therefore, we assert moving items from the chatzer to the mavoy in that instance. So because of that, 
when there is an Erev Chatzerot, you cannot carry internally in the Mavui, because now the Mavui and the Chatzer became two separate entities. On the other hand, without the Erev Chatzerot, when the Batim remained separate from the Chatzer, then the Chatzer and the Mavui become one entity, and because of that, you're allowed to carry internally in the Mavui if you didn't do a Shituk Mavot, or internally within the Chatzer, because you didn't do an Erev Chatzerot, and even according to Rabbi Shimon, between the Chatzer and the Mavui. Because the only thing that makes the Mavui a sewer is the Batim. Because of the multiple ownerships that direct into the Mavui, that causes a problem from it. In this instance, where there is no Eruv, the Batim have been eliminated from the picture, and therefore, the Mavui is Kilu, it has a Shituf. It's as if you have a Shituf Mavot, because you've eliminated the multiple ownerships that come from the Batim. And that's why over here, it's Mutar to carry within the Mavui. And that'll explain the position of Erizer in the name of Rav. Okay, we'll stop over here.